Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Listen to these brief words from Exodus chapter 16. In the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there upon the surface of the wilderness were fine round flakes, fine as the frost on the earth. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which Jehovah has given you to eat. It's easy to see why the people asked, what is it? They needed what we need, vision and revelation as we touch the matter of manna, the unique food for God's people. Joining us today as we travel again once the children of Israel through the wilderness is Ed Marks. Ed, thank you for being with us. Well, Chris, I'm happy to be back. And this broadcast will be a tremendous help to us in our Christian journey to fulfill God's eternal purpose. And let's get right to Witness Lee today. He has a marvelous word of introduction, and then you and I will return. Right after the creation of man, God didn't talk to man concerning anything else but the matter of eating. God charged him with the matter of eating. Eating is a basic, a central thought in God's divine word. Because eating is related to man with God. In chapter 1 of the Bible, man was destined to express God. Because man was created in God's image and after God's likeness. But image, likeness, all denote something outward, not anything inward yet. So in the next chapter, the matter of eating was revealed. Then man had to eat the tree of life. Outwardly, man possessed God's image and likeness. And inwardly, man was destined to take the tree of life into man as man's contents. The tree of life, no doubt, was just a sign, a symbol of God to be our life. At the conclusion of the Bible, in the last two chapters of Revelation, what will be there for eternity? Again, the matter of eating. The tree of life will appear there. You see the tree of life in the first two pages of the Bible, and the tree of life will be the last pages in the Bible. After man's fall, and God came in to redeem his people, and here is a full picture. 
showing God's intention and purpose in his redemption in full. This picture in God's redemption, in God's caring for his people, the concept of eating is basic. At the Passover, you see, there was not only the blood, but also the eating of the flesh of the Passover lamb and the unleavened bride and even the bitter herb. Outwardly, it was the striking of the blood for redemption, but inwardly, it was the matter of eating. Chapter 16 of this book is dealing here not with the behavior, not with any kind of improvement, but with the matter of eating. Eating is basic. Then the Lord Jesus came in John chapter 6. The Lord told the people clearly that he was the real man. He was sent by God the Father, and he came from the heavens just to be food to God's children people. So you have to learn how to eat him. In Revelation chapter 2, there in the hidden man was mentioned and was promised to the New Testament overcomers. From the whole Bible, you could see how basic is this concept of eating. And I appreciate very much the connection that is seen in Exodus between the eating and redemption. Most of us treasure this matter of redemption in our Christian life. But what about the matter of eating? It seems this somehow has been overlooked, even though it's present throughout the Bible. What is important for us is that day by day, we need to eat Christ as our spiritual food. And I would just like to mention a few verses. In Genesis 2.9, we see that when God created man, he put him in a garden. And actually, he placed him before a tree called the tree of life. Now, when we come to the New Testament, especially in the book of John, we see Christ himself saying, I am the life, and I came that you might have life and might have it abundantly. Well, the identity of this tree of life in the garden is actually Christ himself, which showed that from the beginning of man's creation, God wanted man to partake of Christ as his spiritual food. Even Genesis 2.9 says that this tree of life is good for food. Christ came to be our food, our spiritual food, and we have to eat him as our spiritual food day by day. This is to accomplish his eternal purpose. His eternal purpose is that we would express him corporately as the body of Christ. Well, dietitians tell us that you are what you eat. What you eat, you express outwardly. Day by day, we need to eat Christ as our spiritual food. Chris, you mentioned this matter of redemption and eating, and we see this very clearly in the book of Exodus, in Exodus 12 with the Passover. On the one hand, they killed that Passover lamb, which signifies that Christ was crucified for us on the cross. And the blood of that lamb they applied to the doorposts of the house and the upper doorpost of the house. 
and that blood saved them from God's judgment and God's condemnation on Egypt. And this is what most Christians stress, and we treasure this. We treasure the precious blood of Christ that redeemed us. But they didn't just strike the blood on their houses. Inside the house, they ate the lamb. The lamb typifies Christ. This means we need to eat Christ as the lamb of God. Actually, Chris, when we received Christ as our Savior, when he came into us, that was when we first ate him as the Lamb of God. He got into us. He became our inner motor to transport us out of the tyranny of this world signified by Egypt and out from under the tyranny of Satan signified by Pharaoh. Eventually in Revelation 22 verse 14, it says, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life. Well, daily, We need to apply the Lord's blood to wash our robes. When we confess our sins to the Lord, his blood cleanses us from every sin. And then we can claim our right to eat Christ as the tree of life. Chris also, of course, this broadcast deals with the manna. In Exodus 16, we see that the manna is the unique food for God's people. Well, if you go to John 6, Christ himself tells us, that he is the true bread out of heaven. He is the real manna. And in verse 57 of John 6, he says, He who eats me shall live because of me. This means that we need to eat Christ every day. Of course, his followers had a hard time with this word. They didn't understand the real significance of what he meant by eating him so that we can live by him. But just by this brief fellowship, we can see that not only initially when we ate him as the Lamb of God and received him as our life and Savior, we need to eat him day by day as the heavenly manna. And uh, you mentioned that his followers struggled with this. I think his followers are still struggling with this point. We really need the Lord shining here. Let's go to Witness Lee. According to this picture, the children of Israel were destined to live a life of the heavenly people. Yet, when they left Egypt, they brought a lot of Egyptian food with them. In the first five weeks, they all lived on that kind of Egyptian food. Then, after the exhaustion of the Egyptian food, they came into trouble. They were short of food. To them, it was a big bothering. But to God, it was a kind of joy. God was happy that they had nothing to eat. Why? Because God was intending to change their living from Egyptians to heavenly. Not just to adjust to regulate, to change something hourly. No. That is not the way of life. That is not the organic way. The organic way is to change their what? Diet. From many items to just one item. In Genesis chapter 2, there was only one diet. The tree of life. 
In Revelation 22, again, there was only one died, the tree of life. And now it is here in Exodus 16 and in John 6, the name is manna. If you read Revelation carefully, you could see manna and the tree of life are interchangeable terms. God doesn't have two kinds of food for his children people. We only have one God, one Christ, one spirit, one, one, one. So we don't have another food. We only have one kind of food. The people in the world, they live by different foods. Education to so many people today is a kind of food. Movie is a kind of food. All kinds of sports are different kinds of uh, groceries. My, a lot of groceries there. Today, the people in the world, they live on so many things. Now, you have to see, according to God's economy, we should only live on one thing. That is, we should live on Christ. And on Christ only. Christ should be our diet. We are here living by Christ. We are here living on Christ. Ed, we heard the term manna and the tree of life really are synonyms. They mean the same thing, essentially. God's intention for mankind has never changed, and that he desires man to take Christ in as the unique element of his food supply. How does this become a reality in our daily walk, Ed, when there are so many other things competing for a place on our menu, so to speak? In John 6, we pointed out in verse 57, the Lord clearly said, He who eats me shall live because of me. We live because of what we eat. We live by what we eat. Well, how can we eat Christ as our spiritual food? If we go to verse 63 in John 6, the Lord says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words which I speak to you are spirit and life. This means that Christ, as our spiritual food, is embodied in the Word of God. His words are spirit and life to us. If we are going to eat Christ every day as the heavenly manna, enjoy him as our spiritual food. Chris, we have to not just study his word, not merely read his word. We have to eat his word. Matthew 4, 4 tells us that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out through the mouth of God. And one verse I love very much is Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, where Jeremiah says, your words were found and I ate them. Jeremiah says he ate God's words, and then he said that the Lord's words became unto him the joy and rejoicing of his heart. Well, Chris, every day God's word should become a joy to us. The way his word can be this way is when we eat his word. Now, how can we eat Christ as our spiritual food by eating his words? Ephesians six seventeen and 18 are key verses which show us how to do this. These verses tell us 
that we need to receive the sword of the Spirit, which Spirit is the Word of God by means of all prayer. Chris, throughout the centuries, if you even check church history, many great men of God ate God's Word, and they enjoyed Christ in God's Word by praying over God's Word and praying with God's Word. George Whitfield read his Greek Testament on his knees. He used that Greek New Testament as a prayer book to pray those words back to God. If you read the autobiography of George Mueller, he did the same thing. He opened the Word, and he used this Word as a prayer book. He received the Word by means of all prayer. This is the way he ate God's Word and enjoyed Christ as his spiritual food. We need to turn God's word into our conversation with the Lord in prayer, and then day by day, his word will become the joy and rejoicing of our heart. Ed, as we mentioned, and as Witness Lee pointed out, there are so many things in our American culture that compete for our interest in terms of what we eat. But really, if we have been saturated with this kind of rich enjoyment of Christ by eating him in his word, the appetite is full. And there's just not room anymore for so many things that come our way, is there? Exactly, Chris. The real key is that we have to spend time daily in God's Word by praying over His Word and praying with His Word and receiving His Word by means of all prayer. This is such a critical point in the ministry of Witness Lee. I'm very grateful we had an opportunity in this Life Study of Exodus to have it developed so well. Appreciate your fellowship. Let's go back to him for our final portion today. This food is unique. This is the unique diet for God's people. In the Bible, especially in the New Testament, all the apostles only had one ministry. The ministry. Paul and Timothy, they didn't have different ministries. They only had one ministry. Why? Because they all ministered the same kind of food. Yeah, you have four Gospels, but you don't have four characters. You don't have four persons portrayed in the four biographies. They all ministered the same one Christ. They were many, yet the ministry was one. Hallelujah. One tree. The tree of life. Even with the Wheat. The greens are only one kind. And thousand wheat. You only get one kind of green. The corn, the same thing. You only get one kind of corn. One kind of wheat. The whole Bible only produces Christ. Only one kind of green. In the Bible, there's only one ministry. God has only one ministry. Amen. The ministry of Christ. Amen. The ministry of life. The Bible is only one. In the Bible, there's only one tree of life, one God, one Christ, one Spirit, one ministry. Hallelujah! Manna is unique. It does not allow you to have any selection. Ed, this is a very important, uh, and I would say delicate topic in the divine revelation. God's people in the Old Testament had only one kind of food, 
manna. And in the New Testament, God's people are also limited just to the enjoyment of Christ as the tree of life. The revelation of the Bible is that in the matter of ministry, there really is only one ministry, and that is the ministry that brings us to the experience and enjoyment of this one spiritual food. Say a bit more, Ed, about the notion or idea that though the particular stress or emphasis of the different writers of the Bible may differ, the food is all the same. Well, Chris, this is a marvelous point, and what we saw from Brother Lee's sharing is that in the New Testament, there is one unique ministry. And what does that one unique ministry minister? That ministry ministers one spiritual food, which is Christ himself. In 1 Corinthians 10.3, Paul said that they all ate the same spiritual food. This shows us, Chris, that what we minister should be Christ himself as spiritual food to his people. In Acts 1, verses 17 and 25, when the disciples were finding a replacement for Judas, they said, we want this brother who is going to replace him to have a share in this ministry. That's the unique New Testament ministry. In 2 Corinthians 4, 1, Paul said, we have this ministry. Again, that's the unique ministry of the New Testament. Then in Ephesians 4.12, Paul refers to the work of the ministry, the one unique New Testament ministry. Now, there are verses, of course, like in Timothy. Paul tells Timothy, fully accomplish your ministry. And actually, each of us does have a particular ministry in a certain sense, but our particular ministry is our portion in the one unique New Testament ministry. For instance, Chris, my body, my physical body, you can say it has one unique ministry, but the members of my body, they all have a portion in that body ministry. This is where we put these two aspects together. Now, what we should minister is Christ, and we see this in the four Gospels. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, present four different aspects of the same person, and this same person is the same spiritual food that all believers need to enjoy. Matthew presents Christ as the king savior. Mark presents Christ as the slave savior. Luke presents Christ as the man savior, and John presents Christ as the God savior. These are four different biographies, the same wonderful person, which is Christ. This is a clear example showing us that, Chris, you may minister Christ, and I may minister Christ, but we'll minister Christ from different angles, from different aspects, but we're just ministering the one Christ. Now, Chris, we can see this in the epistles, too. I'd like to close in this way. Paul, he just ministered Christ. The church in Corinth had a lot of problems. What did Paul do? He ministered Christ in 20 aspects to them for their enjoyment. In chapter 1, for instance, we see Christ is God's power, Christ is God's wisdom, Christ is righteousness, sanctification, and redemption to us. That's just chapter 1. But Chris, the way we can tell if what we are under is the unique New Testament ministry, is in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. In this verse, Paul tells us that he betrothed the believers 
to Christ as their husband. What the genuine ministry does is it engages us to Christ. It betroths us to Christ. It focuses us on Christ, and it stirs up our love for Christ. When you are under the genuine New Testament ministry, something in your being rises up to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I give myself to you. You're everything to me. We just want to minister this wonderful Christ to you listeners so that you would appreciate him, enjoy him, love him to the uttermost, and enjoy him and partake of him as your spiritual food day by day so that you could be filled with this Christ to become his expression as the body of Christ, which ultimately consummates in the new Jerusalem as the bride of Christ and the wife of Christ forever and ever. This is marvelous. This is marvelous, Ed. I really enjoyed our fellowship and appreciate your taking time to be with us. Well, Chris, I just love the book of Exodus, and I'm looking forward to another marvelous broadcast where we can see this wonderful Christ portrayed in the book of Exodus. Thanks again, Ed, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. For 21 years, Witness Lee conducted a comprehensive life study, unveiling how the Bible presents Christ coming to be life to man. These audio programs are based on those messages. But to get the full riches of the life study, we hope you'll visit our website, lifestudy.com. From there, you can read over 1,800 life study messages in their entirety or download more audio programs like this one all free of charge. Again, the website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening today.